parts I can do out of this. Maybe I can get to 100. That's what it's going to be a challenge now. COVID to revival part 100, maybe. But we're only on four now, so it's 96 more. Maybe that's, is that my goal? No, we won't go there. But. Uh, there are some signs from a legendary Tex-Mex restaurant in Austin, Texas. Now, I wasn't sure if these signs were copyrighted, so I didn't want to put the actual sign on. So you're going to see a sign up here. You're going to have to use your imagination that this is what the sign says. In this particular place, it's put together some pretty funny phrases that people are driving by. They can get a little laugh. How many know we can all use a little laugh once in a while? So I'm going to read some of these signs to you. And again, use your imagination. This is the sign. Just pretend this is the sign. Here's what it says. I never imagined I'd walk up to a bank teller with a mask on and ask for money. <laughs> when this virus is over, I still want some of y'all to stay away from me. <laughs> Did it bother anyone else that the guy from the operation game was clearly awake? <laughs> Still can't believe people survival instincts told them to grab toilet paper. <laughs> Walking back to your car because you forgot your mask is a new kind of ticked off. <laughs> Pretty wild that we used to eat cake after someone had blown on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't think too much about that. You want to know the most used phrase of 2020? You're on mute. <laughs> Sorry I'm late. I got here as soon as I wanted to. I wear the mask to protect those closest to me. Batman. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> You smell great. What hand sanitizer are you using? <laughs> Shoot. Forgot to go to the gym today. That makes eight years in a row now. <laughs> I just realized my trash goes out more than me. Here, here's one you like. Politicians be like, stay home unless you have a private jet. <laughs> Drinking coffee in the morning helps others live longer. Here's one. This one's for Dan upstairs. I need a leaf blower, but for people. I used to be a crastinator, but then I decided to go pro. I'll catch that in a second. If you see a toilet in your dreams, do not use it. I never finish anything. I have a black belt in partial arts. And here's my favorite of the bunch. You can probably actually use this coming up, or Thanksgiving is coming up. Here's a pro tip. Bring up politics this Thanksgiving to save money on Christmas gifts. <laughs> That's it for now. There's some other ones I can't read in church. So. <laughs> so these are all signs. Funny signs. Well, talking about signs, last week was a sign to me. And I believe hopefully a sign to you. That we are ready as a church to move forward. If you missed last week, it was a powerful moment, not because of what I said, but because of what God did. 
as we were preparing to close out service, some had already left. God was giving, God gave the word for Ron to speak, and those who were left and remained, we stayed and gave the word to the altar. The biggest thing is we are beginning to allow the root of the gospel to take root in us again. Not looking at the past, but looking forward. As the life-changing, powerful, transforming power of the gospel takes root in us again, we won't be able to hold back the excitement about what God is doing in our lives or what God has done in our lives. And there will be fruit as we plant seeds of the gospel. There will be lives transformed. And many of you came forward to this altar last Sunday saying, we are ready to move forward. And this word forward is the word that's been on my mind a lot this week. I don't know how many of you focused in on that or how many of you began thinking about that. But when we make a declaration like forward, it almost should come with a, a bit of a warning label. You see, when we declare forward, there is going to be a fight on the way. Because there are two kingdoms at work in this world. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of the enemy. 1 Peter 5, 8-9 through 9 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Here's the key. Stand firm against him, and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. You see, this battle is described in the next parable that we were talking about last week. We were in Matthew 13, and we're continuing here in Matthew 13. This parable where Jesus begins to explain what is going to happen to his disciples through parables. But first he starts with the crowds, and he tells the parable to the crowds. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And we see him sharing it to the crowd first, and then later on his disciples coming to him and saying, Lord, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? So it's sort of another parable sandwich where we have first what he says to the crowd on the bottom part of the bun. We have the explanation. And in between, you know what's in between those two parts? The meat. There is some meat there. In this particular case, it's, uh, it's mustard seeds and yeast, which doesn't sound like much of an appealing sandwich. So this morning we're going to start with the parable. We're going to start with what the parable says, and then what Jesus says to explain that parable. And then we're going to get into what's sandwiched between the parable. The first thing I think we want to learn from this parable is don't give up on the harvest. Don't give up on the harvest. You see, the reality is there will be opposition, and there will be more barriers that will get in the way. And the kingdom begins when we plant the seeds of the gospel, like we talked about last week. We continue to plant those seeds of the gospel. And the kingdom begins to grow. And as the kingdom begins to grow, so does the opposing forces. So does the opposition. And we saw last week that the enemy tries to snatch that seed up before it can take root. Tries to snatch the seed from the hearts of people. And if he's unsuccessful in snatching that seed, he will then try to plant weeds in your life. Things will choke out the gospel. Things will choke out the way, what God's trying to do in you to transform you. 
And what do these weeds do? We know that they don't help you grow. They suck the life out of you. And they suck your growth. They hold you back. So with that in mind this morning, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. Where we're going to read about the parable as Jesus told it to the crowds. And this is from the New Living Translation. It says, here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmers, workers, went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? Verse 28, an enemy has done this, the farmer explained. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked? No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them in the bundles and burn them, and to put the wheat in the barn. Don't give up on the harvest. Now let's look at the explanation in Matthew chapter 13, verses 36 through 43. So then, meeting the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. His disciples said, please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. Jesus replied, the son of man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world, and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The people of the kingdom, that's a good seed. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. I think the principle we have here, the first principle we have here, is don't give up on the harvest. Because what do we see? We see the enemy is doing what he can to mess with the harvest by planting weeds. Bible scholars believe that this was a weed called bearded garment. It's close to the wheat family, and it's difficult to distinguish while the plants are young. But it becomes obvious that it's a weed as they begin to grow up. The roots then entangle themselves down below the surface. And if you try to pull them up, you pull everything up. I wonder if the enemy believes if he can get the farmer just to take up the weeds before their time, it will ruin the crop, it will ruin the harvest. I think the enemy would like us all to give up on the crop. Why? Because there's just too many bad weeds. There's just too many bad things. Too many bad weeds. I'm here to say to you this morning that there may be some weeds, but don't give up on the harvest. Don't give up when things are going wrong. Don't give up when you look at our world and you see everything seems to be going in the wrong direction. Don't give up. Too many people, too many Christians have given up on the world and said, you know what, it's just going to be what it is. I'm done. Don't give up on the harvest. This scripture also teaches us that there will be a final reckoning, that there will be a judgment someday. And this could be either scary, motivating, or a relief. 
Scary motivating our release. Scary. If you've been playing a Christian game and pretending to be great, but you're really a weed. Because at the end of judgment, you will be found out. It can be motivating because you know that there are many of your friends and family that do not know God. And someday they will have to stand before a holy God. And it's up to us to share that gospel, to spread the seed we talked about last week. Or it can be a relief because you don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to punish the person that did something to you. Everyone will stand before God for what they've done. And there will be justice and all will be made right. My encouragement to you, church, is don't give up on the harvest. Don't hear the bad news and give up. It should be the motivating cry. It should give us a sense of urgency for the lost. Don't give up on the harvest. And then between the parable and the explanation, where's the beef, right? Where's the beef? Where's the meat? Here's a great takeaway for us between these two bodies. Despite the efforts of the enemy, the kingdom will advance. The enemy cannot and will not stop it. Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 33. It says, here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of the seeds, but it becomes the largest of all, of largest of garden plants. It grows up into a tree, and birds come and nests in its branches. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in baking bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in it, three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Did you know that for Super Bowl games, they have to make Super Bowl champion t-shirts for both teams because they don't know who will win the game? I've never wondered where those other shirts go. Do they send to the needy countries around the world? Are, are there kids running around with Buffalo Bills Super Bowl champion t-shirts? If you don't know the Buffalo Bills, they went to the Super Bowl four times in the 90s and lost all four times. Or perhaps there's some Atlantic, or Atlantic, Atlanta Falcons t-shirts out there from just a few years back. Ever wonder where those shirts go and who's wearing them? What that tells me is that our enemy is a counterfeit champion. He thinks he is the champion, and he has people representing him, and he's wearing the counterfeit championship t-shirts, but he is not the real champion. He has already lost the game. Just like the Buffalo Bills already lost the game, just like the Falcons already lost the game, they already lost. They can wear the championship t-shirts all they want, but it means nothing. We are the winning team. We are wearing the real thing, clothed in his righteousness. We are the real champions, because in the end, the kingdom advances. The kingdom grows. The kingdom permeates. The kingdom will have the final victory. That's my second point this morning. The kingdom continues to advance. The kingdom continues to advance. You, this morning, I want to encourage you, you are on the real winning team. Despite what you see in the world going on, you are on the winning team. And the kingdom continues to advance through you. Despite the weeds, you see the mustard seed 
is so small, but it grows into a huge tree. The kingdom started out small with just a few, a handful of men and women. Today, Christianity has spread all over the world. You see, the kingdom of God advances despite extreme persecution and people being burned at the stake. The kingdom of God advances despite efforts to silence our message and despite attempts to burn all the Bibles. The kingdom of God advances despite communist regimes that teach their children that there is no God. The kingdom of God advances despite prevalence of so many other religions. The kingdom of God advances despite the scandals, the shortcomings, the sin, and the worldliness that has planted itself in our churches. The kingdom of God advances when we plant the seeds of the gospel like we're called to do. The kingdom of God advances when we love our community and we love one another. The kingdom of God advances when we raise money and we give it away to help local organizations that are helping people in need. The kingdom of God advances. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors. And my question to you, then why are we walking around like the persecuted victims? The kingdom of God advances because Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. The kingdom of God advances. And what does advance mean? Forward. Right back to what we heard last week. Forward. Not in retreat. Not giving up. Not looking at our world and saying there's no use. But the kingdom of God advances. The kingdom of God moves forward despite everything that comes against it. The odds are stacked against it, but it continues to advance. But you know what? The enemy continues to strut around in that championship t-shirt. It's a fake t-shirt. It's not right. The game has already been played. And he has already lost. We all know who the real champion is. And the kingdom of God will prevail. You are the winning team. The kingdom of God continues to advance. And the kingdom of God permeates everything. Like the yeast that permeates in the dome. It begins to do an internal work from within See, the gospel of Jesus Christ needs to permeate every area of our lives. Every part of our lives. Our work, our families, what we choose to do with our finances, how we choose to live should permeate every aspect of our being. No area goes untouched when the true seed of the gospel is planted in you. See, because the gospel starts off small. Those pieces of yeast, those little seeds of yeast, Starts off really small, but continues to grow within. It gets bigger and bigger in us as we give more and more over to Him. When I was in high school, you know, we had a donut shop, and part of my responsibility to come in, we had a big, huge tub, and I would put the ingredients in that tub, and by hand, we would we would put all the ingredients in there, and then just begin to flip to make the dough. And continue to flip it and push it down and flip it and push it down and flip it and push it down. 
pushing down until everything had permeated and there was yeast in there. It wasn't a very big bowl at first. But then over time, as you left it out for quite a while, you put a tower or a thing over it, covering over it, over time, that, that dough would just begin to rise and would fill the entire bowl. It was just a little bit at first. But then it would fill that entire bowl until we knew it was done when that towel was kind of almost hanging off the top. That's what the gospel does in us. It changes us from within. And the gospel becomes bigger and bigger. And God becomes bigger and bigger in us. And it begins to flow out to other people. It's the transforming power of the gospel that work in our lives. My encouragement to you are two things. Don't give up on the harvest. And you are on the real winning team. And the kingdom continues to advance. Father, we thank you for your word today. And I pray that your word would be an encouragement to us. And we would walk in this place discouraged at the things that we see in this world. Discouraged by circumstances that happened this week, maybe. Maybe it's been a tough week. This morning, Lord, we're asking that you would be alive in us. That you would do a work in us. that you would help us to recognize that we are not victims, that we are on the winning team. We are on the championship team. That you are victorious. That you are all powerful. Lord, let us not give up. But continue to press forward. Let us continue to see your kingdom advance through us. Pray these things in Jesus' name. I want to say, if you're here in this room, you may be listening and you've never given your life over to Jesus Christ. And if you're watching online, you say, Pastor God, I've never given my life over to Jesus. But this morning, I want to cross over to the right side. I've been wearing a fake shirt for far too long. You can be on this team today. The first step is just to simply receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're ready today, all you have to do is ask to receive him into your life. And he will make you feel his gospel will begin to permeate your life. That small seed of the gospel in your life can grow to something big and impact generations to come. Because you gave your life to Jesus Christ on this day. See, Jesus Christ died on the cross so we can be forgiven of our sin and of our past. And not only did he die, he rose again so that we can be raised to new life. And if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, or maybe you need to come back to him, maybe you need to return to him in relationship, today is that day. I'm going to ask you to say this simple prayer. Lord, I believe you died for my sins. Today I'm giving my life over to you. I believe you rose again. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new right now and fill me with your grace here. In Jesus' name I pray. If you're watching online, if you're here in this room, if you could check, if you're watching online, if you could just put a note in the chat box that you gave your heart to Christ today. Or right on the connection card, there's a box you can fill out that you gave your heart to Christ today. And I also want to encourage you to download an app called YouVersion. It hasn't quite hit the 500 million mark, but it's getting close to 500 million downloads of God's Word on YouVersion. 
people's phones where they can reach out to their right there on their phones. I want to encourage you to download that app today. And, and there's a search magnifying glass, and just search first steps for new believers. And that's a first step to help you continue to grow in your faith. So we want to encourage you to grow in your faith. If you're mobile, we want you to uh, we'll let you know we're here on Sundays at 10 a.m. And if you're far away, find a church that's teaching God's word and get involved so that you can continue to grow in your faith. I want to encourage you this morning, church. God is doing something. Things are beginning to shift. I don't have all the answers, but I sense it. That things are about to change. And I believe that. Do you believe that? There's one change I do not look forward to, however, but it was inevitable. Maybe you've heard that Ron and Chris Smith are retiring to the South, in a sense, uh, to meet their grandchildren and family. Um, They've been heavily involved in support up here at Heritage Christian Church for many years. I can they could probably tell you the exact number. I didn't want to ballpark and guess, but um, they've been supportive of our family. Ron has called me maybe maybe the moment that he sensed that he needed to and said, Pastor, you're doing a great job. Uh, so we have that encouragement. My favorite though is when Ron tells stories about prison ministry and he starts off his stories as, well, when I was in prison, <laughs> when I was in prison, I'm like, wow, Rod, you need to clarify that a little bit more. <laughs> but he's done a, a great job, a powerful job, really, a life-changing job for so many people at the Mass Maritime Academy, too. And he's been in the prison sharing God's word and, and continuing. I don't know how many thousands of people that gave their heart to Christ in prison he's ministered to. The Mass Maritime Academy Bible study has been just blowing up and God and staying kids and we saw we've had baptisms here in this place and we're super excited about what God is doing and of course the retreats that they've done where I believe there's been some life change in those students that probably will never go away. And so I want to encourage that this morning. Um, he's been a board member assisting in the leadership of this church and uh, it was part of the leadership team that interviewed us before coming. <laughs> and very special, he also flew to Arizona with Pastor Joe to drive our moving truck from Arizona to the Cape. He was part of that. I just wish there was a camera in that. That would be some good stuff, I think. But both have been such a blessing to all of us. I want to encourage you to, to take a moment to thank them today. We know that they'll be in touch and they'll drop in once in a while. They still have a son here in the area. I'm guessing one's probably going to plan to come back to the Academy retreat in the spring. And, um, and by the way, some of you will need to pick up the slack and give a little extra beyond your pies to kind of make up for the rest of But we're sending them out. We're, we're thankful for them, but we also know that they don't belong to me. They don't belong to Heritage Christian Church. They belong to God. Yeah. And we know that there's different seasons of life where God calls us to different things, and the season of life is changing for them. Again. And we want to encourage them in that. We want to send them out. And I also want to, they can't leave without giving some final words to you. Um, I've asked them not to chastise too much. You know, to beat you down a lot. But, um, but they can beat you down a little. 
No, so I'm Ronnie Pierce. I'm going to have you come up, and I'd like to share. And we're going to close the service this morning with a prayer of blessing over them together, and uh, laying hands and his blessing on this, uh, blessing them on this next season of life. But they just want to share this morning and give them an opportunity. Amen. Well, the time is here, <laughs> but I have to say that God is so good because, um, you know, you going back, you probably were wondering if we were telling the truth or not that we were going to move. Because <laughs> it's been almost two and a half years since we made that decision and we were able to purchase a home down there that was a model home and it just fit everything, our needs and the time and so forth. And, um, you know, I have to say that I'm so thankful for this at that time, these two and a half years, because God really prepared my heart for this. I mean, we've been here for 49 years, <laughs> even though I'm a southern girl in my heart, but he brought me to the north. And, um, you know, also the thought of leaving and leaving your home and leaving our family here at Heritage because you are family. You know, we, all this time, we've never had the privilege of living close to our family. I grew up that way too. My mother was from Brazil and she was far away from her family. So I'm very thankful that we're going to have this opportunity now to be our daughter and grandchildren. And, um, I just uh, want to say that uh, we leave here holding you always in our heart. We've seen the faithfulness of God for all the years, all the difficult times. We've gone through as well, as many of you have, but God has been so faithful. And uh, through the times of uh, Bible studies, ladies' Bible studies, you know, that we had for our house. And, uh, uh, Bible studies at our, our home. God answered so many prayers and, uh, and He continues to do so. And we've seen how He will do it miserably more than we could ever before. So that's our prayer for this church. He will do that. Yes, you know, we will be faithful to Him. So this is a really good It's just a, like Pastor said, you know, we will.
to do with us. Something will be able to address physically. Personally, I think we're about to enter the most exciting time in history of this church. There's nothing more exciting than watching what God does in this storm. And I think this is important. As I look at you, I see an amazing gift. All the way from you know, giftings and administration, which is hard to find, prophesy, evangelism, encouragement, mercy. Exercise them. Use them. Nothing is more exciting for a Christian than to watch and experience when God works through you. When you see a life change, when you see someone move to you know, grow more, nothing's more exciting. I still remember the first time I prayed with a lady at Bridgewater State College for several years with somebody except Jesus. I asked her, you want to accept Jesus? And she said yes, and I thought to myself, what the hell do I do now? Excuse me, I guess. Move aside as collateral damage to me. But, you know, that was the weirdest, most messed up sinner's prayer ever, but God heard it. The next, the next class, six students came. Just do it. And you will. Once it happens once, man, the dam will break. The dam will break. And the prophecies that we have had over this church at least three or four times that we made this place too small will take place. That's the truth. It's where it's true. It has been a privilege to be a part of this church. Oh, we will miss about something. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't resist. And we will be back. And we are going to have courage in our hearts the rest of the days.